And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. For those of you who don't know him, I want to introduce you to Elder-elect Bobby Reed. Are there any servants of the Lord in the house today? Any disciples in the house today? Anybody come here and they want to imitate God today? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If that's you, then turn with me to Luke 19. And let's go to verse 11. And we're going to read down to the 13th verse. And the Bible reads, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them occupy till I come how many of you here today pray that the kingdom of God come that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven how many of you pray that the kingdom of God manifests becomes a reality right now. Well, the people in Jesus, they wanted to see the kingdom of God manifested too. Back then, people were living in poverty. They were being oppressed and they couldn't see any way out other than to overthrow the Roman government and take back the promised land. Because of their desires, Jesus told this parable. Now, in this parable, Jesus points out three characters, the nobleman, his servants and his citizens. But what I want to focus on today is mainly the nobleman and his servants. The nobleman is Jesus. And his servants are his followers, his disciples, those that have decided to imitate him. The Bible tells us that he called them. Is anybody here called this morning? He gave those he called 10 pounds and he said, occupy till I come. I want you to note here that Jesus has given that which he had each one his servants, his followers, his disciples equally. He had 10 pounds and 10 servants. So he gave each one one pound. Amen. Amen. And he said, occupy till I come. Occupy means to invest, to engage in, to make use of or to do business. He says, a New Living Translation says, invest this for me while I'm gone. The English Standard Version says, engage in business until I come. And then the New International Version says, put this money to work until I come. 
And last, it says in the New American Standard Bible, it says, do business with this money until I come. You remember a few weeks ago, Apostle Tylee told us that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what he said. But uh, so in essence, Jesus is saying to us, invest this faith while I'm gone. Engage in trading faith until I come. Put this faith to work until I come. Do business with this faith until I come. Amen? But how do we do that? How do we conduct business as Jesus did? To understand what Jesus' business was, we need to understand why he told this parable. You see, Jesus told this parable while he was passing through Jericho. You remember Jericho? Jericho was the first city that Joshua and the children of God uh, conquered when they left the wilderness, heading into the promised land. And as Jesus was passing through Jericho, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was chief among the publicans, a uh, tax collector, uh, but the chief tax collector. He was a rich man. And back then, publicans or tax collectors were despised because of their dishonesty. They got rich off the poor. Not only that, but they were also traitors because they worked for the Roman government. Amen. So in essence, he was a chief sinner, one of the biggest sinners. Amen. Now, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short man. And unlike the woman with the issue of blood, Luke tells us that he could not press his way through the crowd. So he climbed a sycamore tree. And as Jesus passed by, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. Now, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus hurried out of that tree and received Jesus, invited Jesus into his home joyfully. Then the murmuring started. Luke doesn't say who was doing the murmuring. Maybe it was some of the Pharisees or the scribes. Maybe it was his followers. Maybe it was his disciples. Either way, they were thinking here, here we are passing through Jericho like Joshua did to possess the land, supposed to be taking back our kingdom from the Romans. And here you are. A rabbi, a teacher, sitting in the house of a sinner. You get that? But the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus repented. He stood up and said, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold, four times what I've taken. You see, some people repent just by hearing the word of God, but some people are going to have to see the word of God in you. 
We're going to have to get to know some people like Jesus got to know Zacchaeus. We're going to have to become a part of their lives. Adopt some people like Naomi adopted Ruth. And when they see Jesus working in your life, then they will try him in their own. Why? Because you're asking people to leave all that they know. To believe in something they can't see, touch, or feel. Now, let's look at Luke 19 and 9. I want you to see this. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, everybody, everyone we see has the potential to become a son or daughter of Abraham. Amen. Sometimes we forget that and start looking at people prejudging them. Instead of spending time sowing seed, I believe our elder talked about sowing seed. Instead of spending time sowing seed, we waste most of our time trying to figure out uh, where they receive the word of God. Asking ourselves if this person's heart is wayside, rock, thorns, or good ground. But according to Luke 8 and 8, Jesus cried and says, he that have ears, let him hear. Does everybody have ears? So we should be telling everybody the good news. Amen. Amen. You see, when we get saved, we get real good at quoting scriptures like Isaiah 53 and 5. We, we start saying, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And his, with his stripes, we are healed. But what does it say in Isaiah 53, 6? All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us, all of us was lost at some time. We don't look at people and prejudge them. God met us where we were. How dare we? How dare we look at people like that? Luke 8, verse 41. I want you to turn here. I want to show you something. Luke 8, verse 41 through 43. The Bible says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, 
neither could be healed of any. I want you to make note that Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue, an elder, a deacon, a minister, a member of the church who had a 12 year old daughter who was dying. And then there was this unclean woman. They had an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her money on doctors who could not help her. Do you think that Jarius took his daughter to them same doctors? Have you ever thought about that? And here it is, Luke, a doctor, telling you that doctors could not help her. What I believe that Luke is trying to tell us is that the same devil harassing us is the same devil harassing them. So we got to be careful how we look at people. Just like we need Jesus, they need Jesus. Paul said in Romans 12 and 3, Romans 12 and 3, he said, for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith amen you might be saying so what does all this have to do with Jesus saying occupy till I come well he said to carry on his business till I come. What is his business? His business is to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Amen. So if we're going to see how we need to conduct kingdom business, the Bible tells us in uh, Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we need to look to Jesus. He he is the one that we need to imitate. He is the one that we need to follow. He is the one that we are his disciples. Amen. So we're going to look at Jesus and see what he did, how he conducted business in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let us turn to Luke chapter four. Verse 16. I won't be before you long. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, first, let me let me point something out. Jesus was now living in Capernaum, visiting his hometown and because he was raised in, in Nazareth. Amen. And it says, as was his custom, his tradition, his habit, his practice, he went to church every seven days. Amen. So going to church should be our custom, our habit, our tradition, our practice. Every seven days we should be in church. Amen. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. 
and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Is the day approaching? Amen. So these days, Christians, I, I, I talk to people all the time. And Christians have all kinds of reasons why they don't go to church. Some Christians claim church hurt. But no one can claim church hurt more than Jesus. They talked about him in church. In fact, they picked up stones to stone him in church. But he continued to go to church. They called him a demon. But he kept going to church. Amen. How could... He tell people about God, be an ambassador of God, represent God and not go to church. Ain't that strange? We want to call ourselves Christians, but then don't want to go to church. That, that's a little strange to me. <laughs> then you have other people that say in church, uh, they ain't right. There's a bunch of devils in there. Well, if you got the Holy Spirit, then do what Jesus did. Go in there and cast that unclean spirit out. Amen. That's what we need to do. If that's the part, is that the case? Others say, I don't need church. But that's why they wrote the book of Hebrews. Because back then, the Jews living in Rome had decided that, hey, I don't need church. I arrived. I got it all. I know all I need to know. But over time, as they didn't go to church, what they found themselves was listen to other doctrines, false doctrines, false uh, prophets. And they found themselves just kind of moving out to the side a little bit. And guess what? You know, when I was in the military, well, no, no, let me give you this. Anybody got a car? Okay, every now and then you got to get it realigned, right? You hit a bump in the road and now it's off alignment. And so it kind of steered to the left. Well, that's what was happening. They had got out of alignment and it was kind of steering to the left. And when you steer to the left, before you know it, you find yourself backsliding. Some Christians say, well, we got technology. I don't need to attend church. Well, really and truly, Technology is for the sick and the shut-in. For those traveling, those that got to work. If your church is closed because of COVID, then invite your sisters and brothers over to your house and have church. Amen? Amen. That's what we ought to do. We ought to have church. Or find another church to go to. Amen? If you messed up in church, then ask God to forgive you. Go back to the church, ask them to forgive you too, and go to church. Amen. Because we're supposed to be imitating Jesus. Amen. Then Jesus said in verse 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. Amen. Amen. Is anybody in here filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Is anybody here anointed to do the work of God? Amen. Anybody here empowered to do the work of God? Amen. That's what that word means. It means anointed to do the work of God, empowered to do the work of God, appointed to do the work of God, designated to do the work of God. Amen. 
So the second order of Jesus business, how he conducted business was to preach the gospel to the poor. The good news. Amen. When it talks about poor, it's talking about the spiritually destitute, lacking, suffering. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She had money, but her money couldn't fix anything. So God is talking to the spiritually poor. Then he says that we're supposed to heal the brokenhearted. To heal those that have been ravished by sin and the devil. Amen. To those that are miserable and afflicted, whose hearts are broken by the outcome of their sin. Amen. This is talking about the whole man. His or her physical, mental, and spiritual side. Amen. He told us to preach deliverance to the captives. Amen. To preach deliverance to those that are still imprisoned by sin, imprisoned by the devil, and imprisoned by the law. Amen. And then he said, recover the sight to the blind. We should be opening the eyes of the blind by preaching the gospel to those who are blind, walking in darkness and needing of the light. They're ignorant of what the devil is doing. You remember Saul before he became Paul? He used to kill the Christians. Do you think that anybody thought he could ever be saved? But he got saved and then he wrote most of the New Testament. And then he says to set at liberty them that are bruised. To set free the oppressed. There's an oppressor, but it's not the government. It's the ruler, the prince of the air, the devil, the spirit of the Antichrist. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. Just like in Joshua day, God wants us to possess the land. Just like in Jesus day, today we should be fighting to see the kingdom of God manifested. But our fight is not a physical fight. It's a spiritual one. In fact, Jesus said since the days of John the Baptist until now, he says the kingdom of heaven suffer violence and the violence take, take it by force. Amen. And then last but not least, he says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to tell people that God. To tell people that today God is at hand. That tomorrow is not promised. That was Jesus' ministry. And it should be ours too. You see, when I used to think about ministry like most people, I thought it meant about starting a church or, or going on some missionary trip halfway around the world. But ministry is all around us. 
There's lost people all around us, lost people in our families, lost people on our jobs, lost people in the parking lot, lost people at the gas station, lost people at the gym. It should be our mission to help these people. Why? Because we got help living on the inside of us. Some people might not want to help, might not want our help, but that's okay. The woman Jesus met at the well, she didn't want his help. She came there for water. But when she left, Jesus gave her water springing up into everlasting life. In Acts chapter 3, there was a man sitting at the gate called beautiful and he was begging Peter and John for money but Peter said silver and gold I am none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth amen we've got to go after people like Jesus did with love not condemning them, but encouraging them to stop sinning. Turn, turn with me to John chapter 8. And I want to look at um, verses uh, 10 and 11 particularly. You know, I'm pretty sure you all know this story. Jesus was uh, riding in the sand and they brought an adulterer to him. And this woman, they wanted to stone her. But you know what's funny in the story? They said they caught her in the act of adultery. But where was the man? Why didn't they bring the man? They wanted to stone her. But Jesus asked them, he asked them, he said, well, Whichever one of you have no sin, cast the first stone. And nobody cast the stone. And the Bible says that their conscience convicted them. And they left out one by one. And when they had left out, he asked the lady, where are your accusers? And she, don't, she said that she don't see any. And he said, neither do I condemn you. So why am I going to point out somebody else? See, I got my own mess. I ain't got time to talk about nobody else's. I'm trying to untangle mine. Now, we don't dismiss anybody's stuff. But what we do is we encourage them to repent and stop sinning. God knows who's his. He knows what's going on. He didn't put me in charge of hell. I can't put nobody in there and take nobody out. But it's not my right to judge them. He said, judge not lest you be judged. So I'm not going to condemn nobody, but I'm going to try to lead them to Christ. 
Because that's what he told me to do. That's my commandment that he gave me. And I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do God's business. You know, ever since Jesus was little, he did God's business. You remember when he was a young man? Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem to the marriage feast. And when the marriage feast was over, they left. And when they left, they realized that, hey, where's Jesus? We better go back and look for him. So they traveled back and for three days they looked for Jesus. And when they found him, they said, don't you know you had us worried? And you know what he said? Don't you know I'm about my father's business? That's what we got to be about our father's business. According to Isaiah 61 and three. As a result of God's saving grace, we ought to be like trees of righteousness, planted, rooted and grounded in Jesus. That way we may glorify God. God has made us trees of righteousness. You know, the, the, the Bible says, I believe it's in Galatians 6 and 1. It says, uh, if any man be overtaken in a fault, it says, ye who are spiritual. You know, a lot of people like to say spiritual. But what Paul was telling us right then, you who walking in the spirit, because we ain't always walking in the spirit. Sometimes we walking in something else. But he says, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. In what? The spirit of what? I heard y'all talking about this morning. Meekness. Humility. He says, be humble. You better be careful because what you... How you looking at people, you better be careful because you might fall into that same pit. See, Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You got to be walking in the spirit. You got to be full of love, unconditional love. That's how Jesus came to each and every one of us. Unconditional. Met us where we at. Met us in our mess. People ought to see some joy in you. When you come to them, when they come to you, you should have some peace about you. Because you don't need to stir no confusion up in their life. They got enough confusion already. And then we got to be long-suffering. Anybody ever flew a kite? And when that thing hit the ground, it tumbled and everything, and it got tangled up, and it, it seemed to take that long to get tangled up. Sometimes people fly high in their sin, and it takes that long for them to become tangled up in their life into sin. But you know how long it takes you to untie all those tangles in that kite? Well, sometimes it takes that long for people to untangle the mess they made in their life. So we got to be long-suffering. 
And we got to be gentle and kind. We got to have goodness because God has been good in our life. We got to be faithful. We can't turn our back on them. Jesus ain't never turned his back on us. He said, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can't do that to people. How are they going to believe in Jesus? Who said he'll never leave or forsake you? You're the ambassador. You're the representative of Jesus Christ. And then you turn your back on them. Then what are they going to think about Jesus? You know, uh, Elder Elect Torian, he was speaking the other day and we were talking about uh, talking about what you say will take the Lord's name in vain. But see, that was the Old Testament, what you said. In the New Testament, it talks about your conversation, how you live. Why? Because we bear the name of Christ. So if we act any kind of way than what Christ said, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. So we got to live right before people. We got to represent Jesus right. We got to imitate God right. Then we ought to have meekness. We got to be humble when we meet people. We got to listen to them. We got to talk to them. And we got to have temperance. That means self-control. Because people are going to say some things that you don't like. But you got to be self-controlled. You got to know how to keep your mouth shut as the elder told us this morning. Keep it to yourself. Take it only to God. Let him take care of it because he will. I promise you, he will. So when we hear occupy till I come, you should think kingdom business. The first order of kingdom business is go to church. The second order of his kingdom business is preach the gospel to the poor. Third, we should heal the brokenhearted. Fourth, preach deliverance to the captives. Five, recover the sight to the blind. Six, set at liberty those that are bruised. Seven, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now let me tell you something. If you do these seven things, every time you do these seven things, the walls of Jericho will fall. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's all I have this morning. I'm sorry to be so passionate about it, but God has been working on me on this. Amen? Amen. If you're here this morning, and you've been neglecting in your kingdom business. All you got to do is ask Jesus for forgiveness and start doing what he asked you to do. That's it. That's all you got to do. If you tuned in this morning and you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, then just like Zacchaeus, ask Jesus, invite him into your home, invite him into your heart joyfully he promises to come in and sup with you he will heal you he will open your eyes 
He is promising to forgive you. Just tell him that you're a sinner and that you need his help. If you've done that, then you, right now, have moved from darkness into his marvelous light. And you are saved. And all of heaven is rejoicing, and we are too. Amen? Amen. Please take time to meditate on the word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com, or call the church, 850-408-8496.